Hello and welcome to Top in Tech. My name is Colin Darcy. I'm a Senior Practice Director at Global Council and I'm the host of this podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about the publication last week by the European Commission of its Economic Security Strategy. This is a document which has major implications for Europe's tech sector, potentially limiting how European companies can export their technology to other parts of the world, most obviously to countries like China. It's not a straightforward document and there's lots of nuance beyond what I've just said. So I'm very happy that today, Natasha Dixon, an analyst at Global Council, currently based out of our Brussels office, is here to talk me and to talk you listeners through the finer details of what the European Commission has proposed. So welcome, Natasha, and thank you for joining me. I'd like you to just give a bit of an overview at the start, just about what is in the strategy from the European Commission and what are the headline announcements? Before we get into the headline policy announcements, I think a good starting point to frame the discussion is to consider the Commission's intention with this strategy. So the Commission really wasn't intending to present a comprehensive set of concrete legislative proposals that would you know, tell the EU how they should deal with economic security in light of the threat from China that you mentioned. Instead, they actually wanted to present a starting point for discussions with the European Parliament and member states over what European economic security actually looks like, given that this will touch on a lot of contentious issues. So moving to the key announcements in the strategy, I think it makes sense to look at the economic security strategy as separated into two halves. So the first half, which really was the bulk of the proposal, was focused on enhancing the EU's existing tools to combat threats to economic security. So this is things like foreign direct investment screening regulations, the toolkit to tackle foreign research interference, and proposals around 5G and 6G security. And then within this bucket around fully utilising existing proposals, the Commission committed to two acts. So the first is a revision of the existing foreign direct investment screening regulation. So at the moment, member states are able to screen inward investments to their country and prevent those that could present a national security risk. And then the second one under this bucket of existing proposals was a commitment to review existing export controls on dual use technologies and make sure that they are implemented in a coordinated way across the EU. Then this second half of the proposal, which I think is the most exciting and really received the most attention in the media and in the Brussels bubble, was around the new proposals that the European Commission could implement to ensure economic security. So the first would be the creation of a new funding pot, which would crowd in private investments in deep tech, clean tech and biotech. And this has been called STEP. And then the second, which I think is the most exciting, is a proposal around outbound investment screening, which would be targeted at a narrow set of critical dual use technologies. So those that can be used for civilian and military purposes and really is what you referred to at the start of the podcast, Conan. It could could prevent European companies from investing into those types of technologies in third countries like China. So I think it's important for those on the line, if they're trying to understand what the commission is doing here and why, as Natasha said, they're 
they're starting a conversation. But the reason, and I'm sure we'll go into this in a little bit more detail when we go into some of the individual measures, but the core reason here is that often the European Commission doesn't have the power to do a lot of these things without the say-so and without the buy-in from individual member states, individual national governments, particularly when it comes to money, to things like the funding pot you announced that they seem to have called STEP. Uh, often you need the financing to be done by unanimity or to be given indeed by member states from their own funding pots. So their power to impose this on the European Union is actually much more limited than it is in, say, other policy areas that we talk about on a day-to-day basis on this podcast, say, the Digital Services Act, when it comes to regulation of the Digital Markets Act and competition policy. There, the EU institutions, the European Commission has a much clearer prerogative to act in a way in which it doesn't necessarily in some of the issues that Natasha's just talked us through today. So, Natasha, let's talk about what you, you, you sounded like you were really getting excited about, which is outbound investment screening. Both of us were quite cautious as we talked about this, but it could lead to certain consequences. So let's get into why we've given that emphasis. Let's talk about what, what we actually mean here. So, so what is exactly being proposed or indeed cautiously floated maybe by the European Commission? Okay, so the reason why this has caused both excitement and caution in the media and in our presentation of it is firstly, I think, because of its novelty and its proof that the EU really is turning towards a form of technological protectionism when it comes to China. So at its most basic level, this outbound investment screening tool seeks to control how European companies invest in critical technologies in third countries. So here we should read China. So of course, the commission does not put it as bluntly as that in the strategy. And there are many caveats, which I can get into now. So what do we know around the details? Commission President von der Leyen has stressed that this outbound investment screening mechanism would be targeted at a very narrow set of technologies and it would target investments that could enhance the military and intelligence capability of so-called destinations of concern that could seek to undermine peace and security on a global scale. As I said, we should really read China here. So this could look like limiting outbound investment in things like AI, quantum computing, microchips, and any other technologies that the Commission assesses could have dual-use purposes for strategic rivals. But beyond this, the Commission really provided very little detail about the exact design and scope of the instrument, which speaks to what I said at the start. This is just a starting point for discussion. If I were a European company in one of these sectors, my kind of fundamental question would be, How can the commission practically prevent me from investing overseas? And then secondly, what does investment actually mean? Because I think on the surface, we tend to think of outbound investment as solely capital, but the strategy actually refers to the investment of expertise, knowledge and skills. So perhaps this tool could seek to target something broader than capital investment alone. Again, it's unclear from the commission strategy, but this could be a direction that they might go in. The commission strategy was also unclear about the design of this instrument. It proposed that they would table this an outbound investment screening, but they didn't say whether it would be a legally binding regulation, which would be applicable to the whole block, 
or whether it would be a directive that sets out the minimum requirements for member states to then be transposed into national law. But in either case, it's likely that it would have very loose language and pretty limited scope given the extent of member splits around this type of unique tool. Um, and it would also create quite significant fragmentation between member states around how they actually do screen outbound investment. But for now, we know that the Commission wants to develop this tool in close collaboration with member states and also businesses and partner countries were mentioned uh, within the strategy. So hopefully we'll see answers to these kind of questions around design and scope sometime soon. Um, and hopefully there'll be a list of the specific tech sectors that will be targeted by September, well, could be as early as September according to the strategy, when the commission will produce a list after having conducted a comprehensive risk assessment around those dual use technologies I mentioned. It is extremely complex to think through the design and actually a lot of those choices you've ironed out, they're actually quite political choices about which sectors get included, whether that is done more at a Europeanized level or whether each government gets to set their own flavour of it across the 27 different countries within the European Union. And we've got a sense of some of the complexities when you look across, say, to the US, where it's understood that the US administration has been considering this outbound investment screening mechanism, but it hasn't quite emerged from the White House, despite there being hints that it, it could do or that there is a draft ready over the last four, five, six months or so. So indeed, those complexities are not just confined to Brussels, the, the same questions are being raised in other jurisdictions. But as I started there, Natasha, and as you've alluded to throughout this, there are political issues at the heart of this and political questions and political choices and also competitions between which level of decision-making authority within the European Union, whether it's national or European, actually gets to take the choices here. So can you just talk us through that? What, what are the politics and how do different countries within the European Union line up on this? So as you mentioned, this strategy really comes against quite a difficult political backdrop for the whole union of the 27 member states. So there's kind of three intersecting dynamics, at least that's how I think about it. So first of all, you have this wider geopolitical perspective where the EU needs to deal with how it responds to the strategic threat from China. But there are very divergent views between member states about how it views von der Leyen's de-risking rhetoric and how this would actually play out in terms of policy decisions. So at one end of the spectrum, there are member states that have quite a hawkish stance towards China. So we would think that they would be pretty open to this kind of outbound investment screening. So these are states like the Netherlands, Lithuania, Belgium, Czechia. They are all on the more hawkish end of the spectrum. And a notable inclusion within this camp is Italy. So under Maloney, the country has also adopted a more hawkish stance toward China that aligns them quite closely with the US. Then in the middle of the road, we have these countries that are currently in flux even within the member state. So here, this is really represented by Germany. So under Merkel, we really always saw China on the more, we always saw Germany as on the more open end of the spectrum when it comes to China. But now there's a lack of consensus even within the government. And there is a slight shift to a more hawkish position, which could translate into support for these measures. But 
it's currently unclear. Then at the other end of the spectrum, we have member states like Spain and France who have already expressed criticism to this proposal and we would expect them, especially France, to present quite a significant obstacle to some of what the Commission is suggesting in this strategy. So I said there were three intersecting dynamics. That was the wider geopolitical perspective. Then the second is what you have mentioned quite a few times, Conan, which is the European Commission's competency in the area of economic security. So in presenting this proposal and even putting this out there, the Commission was really acting at the edge of its competency, given that it intersects with trade, which is within the Commission's traditional remit, but then also investment and national security, which are clearly member state concerns. And this dynamic is going to be equally important in dictating the level of support that comes from member states, because there are member states who, as we said, might be supportive from the China perspective, like Germany, who would actually be quite cautious when it comes to commission overreach into their competencies. So we'll have to see how that plays out. And then the final dynamic that really influences this political backdrop is member state positions on the EU-US relationship. So some states are more Atlanticist. They tend to be the ones I mentioned who are on the more hawkish end of the spectrum towards China. But then there are others who are quite keen to prevent what has been seen as an example of US strong arming. So the US saying, okay, we're going to implement this outbound investment screening. So the EU needs to do so as well. And countries like France and Germany have actually been quite critical of von der Leyen and saying, you know, you're taking your cue from Biden, but actually we're moving into a new era where the EU needs to kind of assert its position and not keep taking its lead when it comes to China from the US. So that's three quite complex dynamics that are all working in the background to this economic security strategy that will implement the level of support from member states. It has been interesting over the last few years just watching that export of policy from the US on tech, particularly towards China to Europe. So we first had it obviously with Huawei and 5G and the restrictions that came. Indeed, that's still sort of incomplete uh, within Europe. Some countries have banned Huawei, some have de facto implicitly banned Chinese vendors in that market, and some haven't really done it at all. But clearly, the fact that European com companies were even going down that track was was imported uh, from the US to start with. And we've seen other elements. We've seen device bans from governments around Europe, say towards TikTok, which obviously again started in the US. So this is another area where we're starting to see policy bleed over across the Atlantic from, from Washington. And we've seen this as well with the so-called Atlantic Declaration that the UK and the US had earlier this month where there was again talk around and there was language around outbound investment screening. It was pretty hesitant, but again, it was clearly the US was the demandeur and the UK was, was following where US policy is taking us. So let's just move on from, from that particular topic, just to what you talked about, the so-called STEP funding. I think it's called the Strategic Technologies for Europe platform, uh, which is a bit of a mouthful, so best to use the acronym, I suppose. But can you just talk us through... What is this funding pool? Is it is it something big like the CHIPS Act that we saw with related to semiconductors? Is it something meaningful? And who, which sectors, which companies stand to benefit from it? So the announcement of STEP 
actually represents a rollback from an initial proposal that was floated by the Commission last year called a European Sovereignty Fund. So that fund, the initial proposal, was intended to help fiscally constrained member states to support critical industries like the tech that we've been talking about, level the playing field within the single market. But in terms of step, rather than releasing new funds, it would actually streamline existing funds and direct them at three specific sectors in the EU. So that would be deep tech, clean tech and biotech. And they're three sectors that Commission President von der Leyen has said need to be targeted, need to be bolstered within the EU. So when it comes to whether this would be new funds or existing funds, it's still slightly unclear. So the strategy says that it would direct cohesion funds um, into those three technologies that I mentioned for pre-financing and co-financing projects. But some of these cohesion funds have actually already been allocated and would have to be paid out. So there's still a few questions around that. Then the commission president has said that she wants STEP to be in, in receipt of some additional funding. So that's 10 billion euros from member states to reinforce this step funding. But again, it remains pretty unclear as to whether this additional funding will be forthcoming from member states, given the level of member state disagreement about this, and also the context that we find ourselves in, which is that lots of European member states have very constrained national budgets. There's ongoing EU support for Ukraine, so really, on balance, it looks like STEP would just be a redirection of existing funds rather than any significant uplift in reality. But as I said, this 10 billion figure remains to be seen. And all we really do know is those three critical technologies, deep tech, clean tech and biotech. Okay, so unlikely to be transformative in the public funding landscape, though I guess if you were to put a positive spin on it, it does set the scene for what the next commission might do and how it might think about the midterm review of the EU's budget, the so-called MFF, um, and how that might play out. Let's go back to that broader question we've discussed throughout this, Natasha. China, US, Europe. Put crudely, does this the fact that we even have an economic security strategy, the fact that there's even an outbound investment screening mechanism being talked about in Europe, does that mean that Europe is now moving a lot closer to Washington's view on China and Chinese tech than it had previously? Is this a win for the US? So I think we do need to consider those wider US dynamics, but not kind of let that overplay and let that take over our analysis. To me, this strategy really represents the cementing of von der Leyen's de-risking strategy towards China. And this is really outlining for the first time what that looks like from a policy perspective. But as you say, we can't ignore the hand of Washington within this. The strategy comes off the bat of reports, as you said, that the Biden administration would implement a similar targeted outbound investment screening through an executive order. We also earlier this year had a joint statement from President Biden and Commission President von der Leyen asserting their joint commitment to the outbound investment screening mechanism. So there we do see a closeness. We do see a move of the EU or at least the Commission President moving towards the US side when it comes to China. But 
as I said, this can't be seen in a vacuum. Von der Leyen has been heavily criticised for effectively being strong-armed by the US when it comes to this outbound investment screening tool. And member states, as I said, like France and Germany, aren't that impressed with this taking the lead when it comes to China from the US. So I think there is a move towards the US angle when it comes to China, but it's not as simple as that. And I think that this really is a period of flux, as you said. We're coming to the end of this legislative term. We don't know what the future of von der Leyen's presidency could look like, whether she will be able to succeed in winning that second term. So I think maybe partial win when it comes to US influence, but not a total one. I think that's right. I think you, you're you seeing more broadly, not just in tech, but more broadly in EU policy across trade and various other policy areas, that there is a hardening of approaches towards China. That's been evident over the last four, five years. But we should also acknowledge that it falls far, far short of where the US is on this. And in the US, it's clearly a bipartisan thing. It's one of the few things that Republicans and Democrats vociferously agree with each other on. So Europe is unlikely to ever quite get there, you know, failing a dramatic change in events like an invasion of Taiwan. Europe's unlikely to get there. Uh, but clearly that is the direction of travel and one you would anticipate would continue after the European elections next year and into the next European Commission. So Natasha, before we conclude, could you just give us some idea of timing and key dates? You've mentioned a few throughout our conversation, but just as a reminder to me and to listeners who are looking out for key moments for when this strategy may or may not be implemented, when should they be keeping an eye? So actually, the first thing that we could watch and kind of sense where this could be going is coming very soon. So this Thursday and Friday, the European Council Summit will take place and the economic security strategy will definitely be on the agenda. So although this doesn't represent any implementation of policy, definitely not, it does represent an opportunity for observers to understand the initial member state dynamics and kind of the initial reception of the strategy amongst European leaders. But beyond this, the Commission has committed to produce a list of dual-use technologies that would be targeted by the proposals by the end of September in collaboration with stakeholders. So that's the first kind of key date. And then we also have two proposals that will be coming, they've said, by the end of 2023. So that, as I already mentioned, is around the outbound investment screening tool. And the second is the revision of the FDI screening tool. So this is just tabling proposals. This doesn't touch on implementation, but it will provide some more detail, hopefully, by the end of the year. However, it's quite unlikely that we will see any legislation being approved in this legislative term, given that negotiations would have to be concluded by April 2024, which seems very unlikely if they're only going to be tabled by the end of the year. So I think we're maybe looking a bit more long-term horizons in terms of implementation, but should be getting some details or more than we have now by the end of the year. It all waits to be seen whether von der Leyen will be able to succeed in winning a second term and perhaps this economic security strategy and the speed at which some of these proposals are adopted really rests on that. So await some more details. Yeah, it's definitely a signal of intent for a second term or a hint of legacy for what von der Leyen thinks her potential successor should focus on 
if they take the reins uh, next year. So I think everything should be seen within that context. So look, Natasha, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, that was a really clear, overarching view on what's in the package, but also the politics that lies behind it and where we might go next. And just to those on the line, as ever, if you're interested in this topic, you can get the details on Natasha, other members of our tech team in Brussels, our trade team in Brussels, both of whom are following this very closely. So you can find their contact details either in the link in the podcast notes or on the GC website at www.global-council.com. So thanks very much for joining us and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.